Albert Fish. My fucking god. You're listening to old timey crimey. Crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's old timey crimey. I need a hug. <laughs> I need like, a, like, and not like a full frontal hug. I need like a Christian side hug because I don't feel like somebody should touch me full on, but I need like the touch of a human being. You also feel like having discussed, <clears throat> having read what we are going to discuss this week, that if somebody touches you, they might get it on them and Ex- you want to spare them that. I, I took three showers yesterday. <laughs> I, honest to God, I took three showers yesterday. You still couldn't wash it off, could you? No, no, the stink of fish is upon me. Yes, the stink of fish. Yeah. Why do we say we just dive right in? I, I'd like to say good things happened to me this week and I could talk (laughs) about them. And they did. It's just now all those things are tainted. Yes, yes. Everything is very, very tarnished. Speaking of taint, (laughs) wait until you hear what this guy did. Now, now here's the thing. I'm sure we have plenty of listeners out there who are into the BDSM lifestyle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally fine. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat, finds your lost remote, and just tickles your jollies, that's fine. As long as it's consensual. Consensual. And involves, like, people over the age of 18 and, like, no animals whatsoever. Yeah. Because yeah. animals can't consent. So that should be pretty much in that blanket consensual yeah. statement. Albert Fish did none of these things. <laughs> no. So uh, I actually read a book for this one. Uh, I, I scanned through the, the various offerings and picked the one that I felt was the most comprehensive. It's called Deranged, the shocking true story of America's most fiendish killer by Harold Schechter, who is known as, from the Boston Book Review, America's principal chronicler of its greatest psychopathic killers. I don't like greatest as an adjective there. Infamous. Let's use the word infamous. Prolific even, kind of, even though that smacks of accomplishment and you don't want to think of this as an accomplishment. So, but yeah, greatest is like, it's the greatest hits of psychos. (laughs) No. (laughs) This, this guy, Albert Fish was a real life monster. I, I scoured several podcasts. Uh, Last podcast on the left was extremely helpful. Kudos to those guys. Uh, a little bit much for me on the humor side of things. I can only imagine. I don't. I don't uh, listen to them too much, but I know their style of humor, and yeah. and it can be hard to hard to swallow with certain topics, especially oh, stuff like that. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's it, it's one of those things though that their research. Though, holy shit, mm-hmm. their research. Oh yeah, is yeah. I admire the notch. hell out of their research. Mm-hmm. Absolutely top notch. I also listened to the Thinking Sideways episode about Albert Fish. Uh, guys, I don't know if anybody from Thinking Sideways is listening to this right now, but please come back. Yeah, yeah. Thinking Sideways, you guys were an amazing podcast. And if I'm, I'm throwing it out there, there is an open door policy <laughs> if any of the members of Thinking Sideways would ever like to join us here on Old Timey Crimey, you are more than welcome. Absolutely. We'll even let you pick the topic. Yeah, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. I also, uh, also, Phil Hendry did an amazing, amazing show on Albert Fish. Phil Hendry 
is a comedian. And he had an amazing radio show. It was a live radio show where the person on the air, Phil himself, would receive a call from somebody ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then other people would call in and kind of argue with this ridiculous caller, not realizing it's Phil doing a voice <laughs> through a telephone. Oh! So he has this amazing skit where... Essentially, every Halloween, he would talk about serial killers for the, almost the entire show. But he couldn't be on one Halloween, so another DJ came on, which, of course, is Phil Hendry. <laughs> and it's this guy, he's talking like this, and it's like, Albert Fish murdered the girl and threw her body into the canal. And it was just like, uh, like uh, Phil calls in and goes, I don't like you talking about this like you're a carnival barker <laughs> trying to sell stuffed animals. A little respect, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I found the humor where I could. Mm -hmm. Because... It's it's few and far between with this particular case. It's, this is a this is a rough one. So this is buckle up. It's gonna get it's gonna get uh, nasty and not in a fun way. It's gonna get pretty explicit. So um, put the kids to bed, and it's gonna get nightmarish. So uh, you know, get your sleep aids ready. <laughs> I I think we should just put out a full page ad in the local newspaper of going. If you listen to the uh, Tonight Show. Tonight's episode of Old Timey Crimey. We're sorry. Yes, just just a full blanket apology. Like, I think that's just what I'm going to say yeah. for the episode description and on on Facebook and such. It's going to be, we're sorry. We are <laughs> just just that. So sorry. We're so sorry, both for ourselves and mm -hmm. for you as you continue listening to this. If that isn't enough warnings, I don't know what is. Yeah, you must be this deranged <laughs> to ride the wild fish. Oh God. Ah. Yeah. All right, so... He was a baby once. He was a baby once. Think he was about a baby that. In, in 1870. Yes, he was a baby. He was the apple of somebody's eye. People loved him. People cooed over him. And he was just the cutest little thing. <laughs> For a oh while. Oh, my God. <laughs> in no way are you going to be the werewolf of wisteria. Who's a cute little fish? <laughs> Who's here? Look at the little cozies. No, <laughs> Fish's father was uh, was an American English ancestry. His mother was Scots Scots Irish American. There was an incredible forty eight years mm -hmm. between mother and father. Yeah, it was. Uh, once again, there was there was thirty years between my mom and dad, so it's like one of those deals where I like I kind of sit back and go, is uh, is this is this like something that like maybe this is why I'm messed up, but yeah, it's uh, and he was one of many too. He was the youngest. His dad has had twelve children, and he was the youngest of those. And his mother had seven, and he was also the youngest of those. And then, you know, his dad was, in addition to being a riverboat captain in Washington, D.C., his dad was also a 32nd degree mason. I don't know what that means. And I was too busy looking up um, 
sexual psychopathy terms to look up 32nd degree Mason. I think 32nd is like the highest it can go. There's the mythical 33 where supposedly they tell you aliens are real and you figure out how they built the pyramids Mm -hmm. and you get to control like part of the Illuminati. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think 32 is as high as it can go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he was, he was big in there, but he died when Fish was only five years old. Yeah. Yeah. That so, did not end up going well. There's the loss of the strong male role model, and it's in a period of history where it's hard for a woman to secure employment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and to provide for, for, you know, she would have had seven children. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. So uh, Fish went off to St. John's Orphanage for a total of four years until he was nine. And that seems to be, at least according to him um, and some psychiatrists, where it kind of all started. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of whipping. There was a lot of um, corporal punishment type stuff, and some you know some of that corporal punishment involved stripping the boys naked. And yeah, it just was not a pretty picture. But he seemed to get some enjoyment out of it, even as a young child. Yeah, it's. And it's not surprising. Fish's family had a history of mental illness. Mm-hmm. His uncle suffered from mania, which I don't know what that is. His brother was confined to a state mental hospital. His sister was diagnosed with mental affliction. And honestly, these all seem like the same thing. Just old-timey names. Yeah. He's got the slivers! It's No, no, It's this is schizophrenia. His mother, his own mother had visual and oral hallucinations. I mean, she heard voices. She saw things. I've been there. It's not a fun trip. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, the only time I've ever had oral hallucinations was when I was on Ambien. And the last one I ever had, which was also the last time I took Ambien, was we were at the in-laws for like Thanksgiving or something. Um, I'm starting to fall asleep and I hear this voice. I hope I haven't told this on the podcast before. I don't believe you have because I'm, I'm sitting here in rapt attention. Going, Tell me more about your broken brain. <laughs> oh, yes. It was broken. I was like in that dozing state, but it was, it was also sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. And I just heard this voice come up from under the bed say, I'm going to escape. You're just lying there. You can't move. You can't speak. Yeah, it, it, that that in itself was terrifying. I do not. I hope I never hear another voice again that is not spoken by somebody who is corporeal. <laughs> Five days without sleep. Oh, yep, that would yeah, do it. That that was my last visual hallucination. Five days without sleep, and uh, a teddy bear walked in. It was a Care Bear. He had a little heart on his belly, but the thing was, whenever he spoke, you could see like. Like a real meat inside the mouth and real teeth in his eyes, but you could see the stitching in it too. It was, it should have been terrifying, but my brain was so tired. I was like, this is happening now. (laughs) And he put his little paws behind his back and he rocked back and forth on his feet and looked at me and went, it's Betty by time now. And I went, by God, I believe you're right. You just needed that Care Bear to come along and tell you. Absolutely. I mean, Sometimes we need advice. Yeah, I'd been having hallucinations up before that, but it was all like out of the corner of my eye hallucinations mm-hmm. and hearing footsteps behind me and shit like Ugh. that. But no, the, at five days, the Care Bears start to arrive and tell you, Damn. yeah, it's, it's time for Betty by now. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, it is. So yeah, that's, that's not pleasant, and... And this is also seeing some shades of Hans Schmidt here with the familial history. 
1880, his mother had actually found a government job at this time. She was able to remove fish from the orphanage. And then two years later, Fish, at age 12, gets into his first sexual relationship. Oh, boy. With a telegraph boy. Uh, this telegraph boy, whose name has been lost to history, but thank you for setting this young man straight, by introducing him to Euro... Uh, this is going to be a tough one. Eurolanagnia? Eurolania? Piss drinking. There you go. Piss drinking. And coprophagia, shit-eating. Do you see what we mean by nasty? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Hey, if that's your thing, go right ahead. Make sure you have plenty of antibiotics. Yes. Whenever you're doing stuff like this. And it's, it's around about this time that Hamilton Howard Fish starts to go by the name Albert. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because he wants to escape this weird little nickname that he has, Ham, Ham and, and eggs. eggs. Yeah, it's not that bad as far as childhood bullying goes. I had worse. No. My last name's Baxter, so I got called Christy Bastard. Oh, <laughs> Scotty Potty. Oh, kids are so fun. They're fantastic. The little <laughs> bastards all need to be shot. Hey, I'm a bastard, apparently, according to my last name. <laughs> not really. Um, but, but, yeah. He, he goes by the name Albert. Yeah. Which, and I'm learning all sorts of new words here, like coprophagia, necronym. Do you know what a necronym is? Is it a dead name? It's whenever you go by the name of a dead person. Oh, okay. All right. Albert is actually Hamilton Howard's older brother. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who passed he away. He died, yeah. Yeah. So he is actually going. The Albert Fish, poor Albert Fish could have been possibly grown up very normal. But no, Hamilton Howard Fish, he goes by Albert now. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of shades of H.H. H. Holmes in that, too. Where, I don't know, maybe it's a separation. This is me, this is my identity. Maybe that's something that a lot of serial killers end up doing so they can kind of separate themselves from their actions. But I don't think... Old, old fish had that problem of separating himself. He was deep into his own actions. He was, yeah, he was pretty deep into them. He, he didn't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, eighteen ninety, fish arrives in New York City, and that's begin. That begins his career as a prostitute, and that's whenever he starts molesting young boys. Yeah, he had um, another brother who was in the navy. And this brother, he's, he, he, and this is Fish relating this, um, and I'll just give his exact quote. And he used to relate to me when I was quite small. He was the oldest of my mother's seven children. Walter H. Fish, his name is. He had been to China when there was a famine, when they were using human flesh for food. He used to tell me a lot of these things, and that got into my head. So, there's a little uh, extra that's going to come out in his, uh, in his psyche and in his actions. And there's his... His source for it, apparently, but he does a lot of blaming things on other people, you know, like it's never really his fault. So, so yeah, he, uh, he gets into, um, you know, prostitution. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, hey, you know, I don't have no problem with the whole prostitution thing. The raping young children. is a problem. That, that's the problem I have. That's the problem. Uh, but then love finds him. Well, yeah, yeah, 
Oh. It gets... Jesus Christ, we're like what sixteen minutes into this, and I feel disgusted already. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get a shower. <laughs> go, go right ahead. I'm just gonna sit here and vomit into the microphone for the next hour and a half. We'll get part two next week. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, it's it's not pretty at all during his time of being a prostitute uh and he also at one point in his 20s went to brussels and there are some brothels there that have certain specialties that he was into specifically uh flagellation and oral perversions on the rectum that's why i wasn't going to do that part there it was <laughs> there it is Found oral it. perversions on the rectum yeah poop eating yes and so yeah he he started uh, torturing victims right around uh, this this period of time. This is I, I did so much horrible research. I found out through through Albert Fish that the human rectum can, can stretch to a distance of nine inches. Didn't need to know. Didn't need to know. Nobody your, needed to know. Your average raccoon can squeeze into a spot of six inches. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't like the fact that these two facts are presented in such close proximity to one another. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just I'm giving s- me the info. That's all yeah, I guess. that's it. Not your fault. <laughs> Absolutely not. These are two possibly unrelated facts that I've thrown out there. Just one right after the other. Mm-hmm. So, the marriage. Yeah. The marriage. He, um, he doesn't really meet this girl right away. His mother arranges a marriage for him, mm-hmm. which, what? Like, I, I think of, like, arranged marriages, like, like the 1700s and the 1600s. I don't think of them close to 1900. This is 1898. It's still done in a lot of cultures, even now, but, you know, we don't think of it so much in America, but I'd say it was still... I'd say there was frequently at least an element of mm-hmm. arrangement, like, you know... Not so much the the idea of you don't meet until your wedding day, but, you know, the parents get together and they're like, your son, my daughter, why don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, everybody kind of like makes, sort of makes the decision and hopefully the couple gets along. But yeah, yeah, arranged marriage. This poor woman, Anna Marie Hoffman, nine years his junior. They have six children together. Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry. Do you notice anything in there? There's an Albert. Mm-hmm. Albert. There is an Albert. There is no Hamilton Howard. Oh no 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 yeah there. yeah right yeah. Once again, yeah. once again, it's him kind of distancing himself from his own identity. Well, he probably also, if he didn't like being the you know the nickname that he got, he probably also was trying to avoid that for our, you know his his children. I can see that. I can see that. But I don't think I don't think Albert Fish is thinking. No, I mean maybe not. Maybe or maybe it was just you know just such a aversion to the name that there was no way that he would give it to a child. So, I don't know. I think psychologically it's kind of hard to decide when it comes to naming a child. Because that is something that parents think of. You know, will will a child be... With any name that you give a child, are you opening the child up to obvious bullying? Kids will find something no matter what. You can't avoid it. But you you at least want to make them work for it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. At least make them stretch their little brains. (laughs) So, yeah, who knows why he chose that. Don't name your kid Shytheed. That's going to cause problems. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know, honestly. It's uh, through 1898, Albert works as a house painter and continues to molest children, mostly young boys, round about six and younger. Mm-hmm. Um, then he ends up going to this waxwork museum where Fish happens across the bisection of a penis. <sighs> and he finds himself pitching a tent at the thought of a bisected penis. Where most people would look at that and go, oh. And you kind of get the whole turtle thing of it, like, of your own retreating into your body. Not that you would know. Mm-mm. Yes, okay. It's a thing. We don't need to. <laughs> no, no, we're going to go I into this. I think people this. know. Yeah, but... You know, if you don't have the equipment. I mean, we've all seen the Seinfeld shrinkage episode. <laughs> it's it's a thing. There's, like, shrinkage from cold weather, but then there's empathic shrinkage. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. I have just deemed this empathic, empathic penile shrinkage. Whenever you see something like a bisected penis, if, you're, if your penis is doing anything other than retreating in horror into your own body, <laughs> then you need help. Yeah. I Not. think possibly even hearing the words bisected penis. You know what? It's happening right now. That's definitely not my punk band name. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. In fact, it's, I'm not going to use that term again. But after that, he becomes obsessed with the idea of sexual mutilation. And then he meets a 19-year-old man named Thomas Kedden. Ah, yes. Kedden. He had, quote, bummed his way from the south on a banana train, end quote, which... Banana train is the name of my punk band. And it sounds like such a euphemism for something. Yes, which actually kind of did happen on the train. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, And Penis to rectum conga line. (laughs) Yeah, lots of that. And so Fish found this, this kid and just, like, completely, like, shaved him. From head to toe. Or I don't know if the head, but all of his body. Um, And so for two or three weeks, he just, it was all kinds of just sadomasochistic shit. Yeah. And also, I'm I'm saying shit, not as euphemism for stuff. No. (laughs) Because that was involved too. Yes. A tetanus shot would have been necessary Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. some point. And here's the thing. Kedden was not a smart man. This is somebody that we would call intellectually disabled Mm -hmm. at this point. This was essentially a 19-year-old, six-year-old is is what we're dealing with here. Um, He tortured the poor man over the place of two weeks. He eventually tied Kedden up and using a pair of scissors cut off half of Kedden's penis. Yeah, he started... But then Ken just looked so like in so much pain that he couldn't finish. So he basically tied the wound up, tossed the tenor on the bed, and psh, off to another city well, to torture and mutilate some more people. Let's not let's not forget the tender kiss that he gave Ken goodbye. <laughs> oh God. Because after you've sliced off somebody's penis. Or no, partially. Partially. Ah, you know what? I'm sorry. That's <laughs> And, and partially think, is enough. Like yeah. any 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 amount of that is is I think 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he ten uh, dollar bill and a kiss. I forgot to look up how much ten dollars was in those days. Does I it, don't care. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's it not doesn't matter because it's not enough no matter what. Right. Uh, ten dollars maybe for the tip of a finger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I ten dollars in in nineteen eleven money. Sure. The, there is not enough money to lose half my penis or a quarter of it, or an attempt to lose half my penis. And then Albert Fish says, in the confession, I shall never forget his scream, or the look he gave me. Uh, I took the first train I could get back home. Never heard what become of him, or tried to find out. I think your voice is probably pretty accurate. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing so. <laughs> kind of like this. Maybe even with a little bit more of a whisper to it. I'm thinking kind of like Sling Blade. Except a little bit more intelligent and a little bit of the lower jaw pushed forward. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a good old country Duke Nukem. <laughs> Starting to get disturbing. Oh, come on, Duke Nukem was great. No, I know, but it's just the voice itself, which no. I know you're going to be using more, so I'm just oh, bracing, bracing I mean, I can, I can switch it to just plain old Duke Nukem if you want. How about a good old-fashioned Christian side hug? That's really good. Yeah, yeah, I... I, uh, it's my dream. Whenever John St. John retires, I want to take over for Duke Nukem. <laughs> <laughs> so I've really practiced hard. I'll cut off your dick. Where's <laughs> <laughs> my papers? I need to hide. I need to hide. All right, so what next? Well, <laughs> I'm so tired already. That's okay. That's okay. I, I brought my totem with, and I've actually been reaching into the backpack going, like, I can't. <laughs> Okay, I can. January 1917, Fish's wife goes, This fucker's nuts! And leaves him for John Straub, a handyman who boarded with the Fish family. Um, as all good mothers do, they made sure to leave their children in the hands of a child molester and a penis cutter. Yes, yes. Yes, that, that's in the definition, in the dictionary. That's the definition of a good mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel really sorry for her being saddled with this man, but for God's sakes, take the children with you, woman. Yeah, it's, it's, it, by all accounts, the children themselves, these six children, didn't experience any particular direct abuse at his hands, but they did see a lot of weird shit that must have left them messed up. Albert Fish had this game. No, that was with the stepchildren, though, I think. I think it was with his own children, too. Stepchildren from one of his three other marriages oh, in Jesus one year. Jesus Christ, how does this guy pull the ladies? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it this doesn't is, make any sense. This is making me feel bad. Like, I'm, I'm a single man. This guy is, like, pulling, pulling the ladies incredibly. Yeah, I have this... Uh, the, the game Buck Buck How Many Hands Up Yeah. and Sack of Potatoes Over. I only have this being played with a, a stepchild, uh, Mary Nichols. Hmm. If, if our listeners at home would like to play Buck Buck How Many Hands Up, shall we explain the rules to them? Yes, I, I do believe we shall. And this was actually from Mary's testimony in the trial. Yeah. Now you need a set of hands which is important in everyday life. Yes. And you'll need a paddle with several thumbtacks and nails. And a pair of very thin brown trunks. Yes, yes. So all you really have to do is think of a number and then have the uh, have the children guess, or no, wait. 
No, they the have children to... think of the number. The, okay, so you're, you're missing one vital point. I, it, they're spankings. They're spankings, yes. <laughs> but the, 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 the originator of the game would get on their hands and knees. The children would sit on his back. And they would have to, like, not be looking at him. And they would, they would put up their fingers. So they put up maybe four fingers. And he would have to guess. So he can't see their fingers. Um, quote, and if he guessed right, which he never did, why, we weren't supposed to hit him. Sometimes he would even say more fingers than we really had. And if he never 72! Guessed... <laughs> and if he never guessed right, why, we would hit him as many fingers as we would have up with a paint stirrer. Yes. Yeah. Now, I didn't hear about sack of potatoes or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, sack what of is potatoes. sack of potatoes? Sack of potatoes is when he would again wear these thin brown trunks. And I'm sensing a pattern. Quote, and then he would throw us up on his shoulder and we would slide down his back and we would scratch him with our nails. By the time we would get through playing, why, his back would be red. End quote. Yeah. Now, not surprisingly. He but again, this was with his stepchildren. Yeah. His, his own children never testified as such, but they did testify to a lot of the weird shit they saw, like him... Wandering around the house naked saying, I am Christ! And um, finding, you know, paddles with nails hammered through them, bloodied. Oh, yeah. He once wrapped himself up in a carpet and said it was under the instruction of John the Apostle. Yes. Because the first... I, I can't count the number of times in the Bible where John the Apostle went, wrap thyself into fine linen carpets. Yes, it was a very common, common uh, source of, of absolution. Yeah. Carpet. Carpet. Carpet rolling. Wow. So, yeah, he also... Why do, why do people's voices never tell them to do good things? I know, right? Yeah. Give to charity. Go, you know, do some work with the homeless. No, 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 no. It's roll yourself up in a carpet or kill some kids or I, something like that. You I know? want you to go to the president <laughs> and tell him what a fine job he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. Nobody ever told him to do that. No. Yeah. No, no. It's just all bad, horrible stuff. It almost sounds like somebody's trying to blame someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's about this time that Fish really indulges into some amazing self-harm. Mm -hmm. Remember how I said about the taint? All right, guys, get ready for this. If you're really squeamish, I would honestly, like, fast-forward a minute or so and then see if we're still talking about needles and then keep fast-forwarding. Honestly, if you're really squeamish, what the fuck are you doing Yeah, what are you doing here? Like, it's everything we can do. I feel uncomfortable, and it's not just the heat. I have had podcast episodes true crime specifically that i've been listening to and i've had to pause it and just give myself a few minutes to get over the nausea and then i continue but my thing is and i think i've mentioned this before i have to know because i feel like whatever my brain conjures up might be worse yeah so yeah so that that's how i temper my squeamishness but so you want to go ahead you can you can go ahead so i'll take the needles you take the wool okay okay around this time Albert Fish would take just a handful of needles, grab his testicles, lift them up, and just insert needles into his taint. Now, let me explain for some of our listeners what your taint is. Oh, God. It is the fleshy fun bridge (laughs) between your genitals and your asshole. It taint your dick. And it taint your ass. It's the taint. <laughs> oh. Now, fun fact, there's not a hole there to insert stuff in. So there is some puncturing that has to happen here. 
whenever he was arrested, an x-ray revealed, and you can look up this x-ray online, 29 needles. I thought it was 27, but... That doesn't matter. The yeah, fact no. that there's that many, and they were also they were they were not just in the taint; they were all around his his pelvic area. He yeah. he liked to stick them in like his hip, and around his legs, his, you know. So it wasn't just the taint, but it was also it was also the taint. Yeah, and that doesn't even count how many was in there that just got absorbed because your body's really good at getting rid of stuff. Uh, there's very few things that your body can't break down and spit out. I still have though. I gotta say, I still have a little chunk of metal in my foot from whenever I stepped on a nail. Uh-huh. Now, it could be it could be metal or it could be rubber because it might be the sole of the shoe. But I can feel it just underneath my toe. Or it might just be scar tissue at this point. I, I think I know. also have the same thing because I, I did the same thing. I didn't so much step on a nail as I was trying to climb into the treehouse, and my brother, like, pried my fingers off the side of the treehouse, and I landed on the nail. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Why does that work? I was very lucky that it was at an angle, so it didn't like go through. Yeah. Wow, you managed to get through the the needles thing and my my nail. I guess you you'd already heard about that. And you yeah. didn't hear about my nail thing. Yeah, that was my first uh, tetanus shot that I was wearing because that was a rusty nail. So yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like I still have like because it's very thick scar tissue and it's been many many years. But then again, I guess your 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 the skin on your feet is thick too. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyhow. Let's talk of more pleasant things. Let's talk of another thing that Albert Fish liked to do. He liked to take bunches of wool or cotton, uh, shove them (laughs) up his rectum, (laughs) and light them on fire. Fire in the hole! Oh, also, with alcohol. He doused them in alcohol. Uh, I should have mentioned that part. Which, it's funny because when... I first, when this first was presented to me in this book, it wasn't presented exactly in those words. It was, the the wording almost made it seem like he just, like, put some alcohol on a butt cheek and lit it on fire. Mm-mm. So then when I got to the actual, like, part where they, they were more explicit about it, I was like, oh, God, that's so much worse. Can you imagine the smell? No, I don't want to. I uh, don't want to. Why would you do that? Why would you? I'm trying to create an immersive experience. I think this is the absolute last time that we need an immersive experience. You know, immersive experiences with, like, cooking or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, sure. Immersive experiences with alcohol-soaked wool, lid on fire. Uh, No, I don't need to be immersed in this. I'm already pretty fucking immersed. Like, at what point do you think this is exactly a great idea? Let's oh, no. every day when you wake up if you're Albert Fish apparently. Now he did he did try to puncture one of his testicles with needles. And he wasn't able to do it. He, it was, the, that was too much even for him. So my mother, every time I would get hit in the penis or the testicles with like a ball or something growing up I was and I would say how often fall, did this happen, but I guess it happens a lot. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. I would drop to the ground and cry because that's what you do. I wish I could I wish I could go to my mom now and take this Albert Fish thing and go, do you see? This man lit cotton on fire in his own asshole. Not his ass, his asshole. <laughs> Jammed it up in there, lit it on fire, and turned himself into a poop candle. And even he's like going like, I can't mess with the testicles, man. That hurts. And 
it's said that he sort of walked bow-legged, which well, yeah. is very understandable considering. Um, but you don't make that con- in the book, at least you don't make that connection until a while, and then you're like, oh, oh that's why, because they mention it several times the bow-leggedness, and yeah. Um, at one point, now this makes was, me this wonder was later. what John Wayne was into. <laughs> 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 Poor John Wayne. Um, this was later, um, after some of his uh, more heinous crimes had be- been committed. But since we're going through the unpleasantness that he liked to inflict upon himself, we may as well just get it all out of the way at one time. The cops did actually search his room. This was in 1931, um, due to some letters he had sent which was one of his little hobbies he liked to send these really sweet letters no you can't see me shaking my head but no they were not sweet um and regular fucking poet yeah (laughs) so he they they searched his room and they found in a dresser drawer a cat of nine tails which is a, a a whip type thing if anybody doesn't know a hot dog and a carrot and i'm just gonna i think I think it's best just to leave it there. People probably know. This is the worst cooking show ever. (laughs) I'm not eating either of those things for a long time. A long time. There goes my carrots with hummus snack. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's done. So, so yeah. We don't know, though. I mean, here's the thing. A carrot and a hot dog in the butt seems pretty fucking vanilla. Yeah, but he's just leaving those in his drawer, which is pretty gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But I'm willing to bet they're not going up his butt. They are. I, I'm betting they're going up no. his pee hole. No, they smelled. They smell? And looked. Maybe in the butt first and then up the pee hole? Who knows? He also liked to stick roses up the pee hole. Yeah, not yours all. And then eat them. <laughs> Fuck. It's there's so much what the fuck. It's just it's just piles and piles and piles of what the fuck. Where's my bag of no fucking thank yous? Because I just want to hand it to this whole episode. <laughs> I'm trying to... Just the whole bag. Here you go. <laughs> like, I'm trying to get the image of a naked old man walking bow-legged with a rose sticking out of his dick. <laughs> out and of your then, head? And, I think you should go ahead and get it out of your head and, and not be imitating it, And Scott. then he's like <laughs> dancing around going, Jesus told me to do this. I am Christ. And he pulls it out and he starts to eat it. Do you think he eats it thorn first? Like stem first? Or do you think he goes flower first? I think he goes stem first. Stem cause, first? Because he's a sa- like, you know, uh, a masochist. And he, he likes the pain. So I think mm. he would want to go for the pain. And he doesn't seem to have very much impulse control either. And who knows if he even ate the damn flower. He probably just ate the stem stem you know because he's he's going for the pain here yeah. that was his big thing obviously the whole tango lessons with the rose in the teeth don't take them from albert no no do not do not find another teacher we beg you mm-hmm. i just realized we never even introduced ourselves at the top it doesn't matter i don't want our names associated with the stuff that's coming out of our mouth this week i am with you on that we are anonymous and anonymous too mm-hmm. <laughs> electric to boogaloo so anyhow um so yeah, where are we in the timeline here? Nineteen nineteen, nineteen nineteen, where he uh, decides that it's a really good idea to stab a mentally challenged boy in Georgetown, D.C. Oh boy, because uh, you would do that. Uh, Fish would choose people who were either mentally handicapped or African American as his victims, simply because at that time, well, they're barely people. And no one misses them. Yeah, yeah. They, they they tend to fly under the radar. 
they tend to be, um, you know, also, uh, he, he definitely gravitated towards those who were less well off, you know, yeah, which yeah. ends up being kind of part of the reason that some of his later crimes don't get, uh, he doesn't get ferreted out for them as quickly as he could. Uh, because everybody's like, well, you only kidnap for ransom. These people obviously don't have any money. Only an idiot would, you know, try to kidnap somebody from these people expecting a ransom. And so they just, you know, assume it's not a kidnapping. But Yeah, he, uh, he would even pay some children to find him other children. Yeah. And uh, he would torture, mutilate, and murder the young children with his, uh, his tools. He called them the implements of hell. Which were a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a handsaw. Fuck. And then we go on to Beatrice Keel. Ah, yes. Beatrice Keel. So, this is in 1924? You've got it. July 11th, 1924. So, and this is in the area of... Staten Island. This is in Staten Island. Staten Island. Yeah. Uh, He offers money to young Beatrice, who he finds playing alone on her parents' farm. Uh, He's saying, hey, here's here's a penny. Help me look for rhubarb. That sounds like I'm making a joke. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. No, that was the actual situation. Uh, She was about to leave the farm when her mother chased fish away. Good job parenting. But then Fish returns later to the Keel's barn, where he tried to sleep, but he's discovered by Hans Keel and forced to leave. Um, so, yeah, Beatrice, thankfully, spared from the implements of hell. Yes, she was, uh, she was eight. I don't know if he was so much using the implements of hell just yet. I feel like they didn't come into play until Grace Bud. Because you... according to the, the narrative set up in the book, he actually bought them shortly before or, you know, got them from a pawn shop or something shortly before that particular case. Right. The first time that he attempted to test the implements of hell was on a young child he had been molesting named Cyril Quinn. Um, But uh, while the two boys, uh, while Quinn and his friend were uh, wrestling on Fish's bed, they dislodged the mattress. Underneath there, underneath the mattress, they find the knife, the small handsaw, the meat cleaver, become scared as fuck. And that was just the day before. Yeah. The, the, the Grace Bud case, yeah. um, which we'll get to. But, but yeah, so I don't know if he was necessarily using them. I don't know for sure that he was molesting so much as he was planning on... Um, he was basically grooming Cyril, but hadn't actually gotten to the point. Because I think Cyril was a neighborhood kid, and he wasn't necessarily wanting to strike so close oh, to no, home. Oh, no, he had been molested. He had been? Okay, he all right. Had, he the book didn't, uh, didn't really go into that. It just said that he, he, had plan- he had plans for Cyril, but he hadn't acted on them yet. And the, when, you know, the, the boys were, were playing and wrestling, and they spotted the implements, that was the end of that. Because, yeah. like, you know, he, he realized, Fish realized that what they saw, and he was like, okay, I'm going to stay away from that, because that could be... Pretty obvious if he goes telling people. So right, and at this point, he's he's hearing voices. Fish is hearing God commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate children. Three days after uh, Beatrice Keel, there was a boy named Francis McDonald. Now, also lived in Port Richmond, uh, the section of Staten Island where Beatrice Keel lived. Very very close. Now this wasn't. We, we think of anywhere in New York and, and generally us, you know, country bumpkins or whatever you want to call us, we, we think 
you know, uh, New York City. You know, we think big bustling, in, especially in these days, like tenements and apartments and stuff like that. But no, this was almost rural in nature. There were farms and everything. So this is July 14th, uh, and it's around 2 p.m., and Francis McDonald is just hanging out on his front porch playing around. His mom comes out, and she sees this old man. Uh, he's acting real twitchy. He's got a gray hair and a mustache, and he just kind of tips his hat and, and moves on down the road. So later on, she goes back inside. Francis goes off, and he's playing with his brother, Albert. There are so many Alberts in this story, it's, it gets ridiculous. Yeah. I, I ran into... Like four of them before it actually got to Albert Fish. <laughs> like there's so many Alberts. It Is it him? Name. Is it him now? Yeah. Is it him? <laughs> Is it now, him yet? It's finally him. <laughs> Fuck. So um, Albert and. Is playing with Francis is playing with his little brother Albert and also three neighborhood brothers Eddie, Tommy, and Jimmy Donovan. And then this elderly man reappears and he gives the come closer gesture, which if you're getting chills and you're creeped out right now, you should be because mm -hmm. I'm getting chills. Um, and so Francis goes, his brother and his friends turn their backs to continue their game. When they turn back, both Francis and the man have completely vanished. So the last sighting is around 4.30 p.m. There's a neighbor across the street, George Stern. He sees Francis um on there's a, a a local hangout where the kids played um and it was uh in in charlton's woods and he sees this man following closely behind francis so gets to be dinner time francis isn't home Little brother Albert says, oh, well, there was this stranger nearby. And, and then actually after that, Francis just disappeared. Well, guess whose dad is a cop? Uh-oh. Cop still in uniform, <clears throat> even. Oh, shit. So he I actually, mean, yay. Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. No, good. God, I mean, yeah, yeah. yes. He starts a search on his own. And by the next day, they have... Um, everybody in the neighborhood, they have tons of cops, um, because obviously he's, you know, pretty good at mobilizing, uh, his fellow policemen and even Boy Scouts were volunteering. Uh, so that got really fun when, um, three scouts stumbled upon the body of Francis McDonald. Kids are really resilient. I'm sure they were fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that, uh, Henry Lizarno, Thomas Pisoni, uh, and Henry Wood were absolutely fine after finding young... Francis McDonald, uh, who was eight years old, with his clothes, um, all of his clothes before, below his waist torn off, uh, and his suspenders uh, wrapped around his neck, almost embedded in the flesh, and he died of strangulation. And let's not forget that his left hamstring had been almost completely stripped of flesh. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty horrifying. You can only hope that, you know, any of the mutilation that occurred happened after death. And later, Fish would confess, after a long, long time, that, you know, he was behind this. And he said that actually he was going to, this was going to be a mutilation, like a full-on mutilation, mm -hmm. probably some torture. And, but then he heard, like, somebody in the woods nearby, and so he panicked and killed the boy and left. So, um, it's kind of 
a shit show because there's all these police officers that won't let the assistant medical examiner through to start an exam because they're like, no, the police photographers, the fingerprint experts, they need to get here. So, so many hours passed that it was like, you know, harder to do a, a, a proper post-mortem. And it, this was just, it was, it became, a, I don't want to say a sensation, but the media was like treating it that way. And it became just a flood of calls and reports of, I saw the man here, I saw the man there. They had to post guards to keep the rubberneckers away from just the sight of the body. And it was another one of these cases where you have people caught and caught and caught and caught and pulled in and pulled in and pulled in. And every single time it's a false lead. It's a, it's, it just doesn't check out. Um, the alibis are, you know, solid or they just can't make the connection. It just, and we're going to see this, we're going to see this again too. It's not, uh, it's not going to be the first time or it's not going to be the last time rather. And so uh, they, the autopsy actually found in his stomach undigested raisins, which they theorized was the bait. Um, what a horrible bait. I know. I actually wrote, don't take raisins from strangers and then crossed it off because it felt like victim blaming in a weird it way. Really did. But, but back then, I mean, they didn't have, you know, M&Ms and Skittles and, you know, like the, the Starburst and every, I could name 18 million different kinds of can candy. Raisins were a sweet back then. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't so deluged with sugary, sugary goodness. Everything tasted like static on a TV. <laughs> it was just... But That's raisins. evocative. Yeah. <laughs> Very evocative. Yeah, so um, they actually decided that he had been beaten so savagely that there was no way an old man could have done it, or at least not done it alone. So maybe, maybe there was more than one killer. And so Anna McDonald, Francis's mother, she had a description of the killer that kind of became part of the narrative around him. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and read this. Uh, he came shuffling, a quote, he came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself, making queer motions with his hands. I'll never forget those hands. I shuddered when I looked at them. I shudder every time I think of them, how they opened and shut, opened and shut, opened and shut. I saw him look towards Francis and the others. I saw his thick gray hair, his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. I saw my neighbor's two police dogs spring at him, and I saw Philip, the hired man, call them off. The gray man turned to me and tipped his cap, and then he went away. The gray man becomes what, you know, his, his first sort of killer nickname. It's almost like a Slender Man type thing. And once again, this, I, I've mentioned this before, this is an evil that kind of tr transcends human understanding. Yes, yes. I, I, I certainly don't think there's anything necessarily supernatural or involved, but I think it's some complete lack of humanity. Just the humanity just drops right out the bottom and there is just nothing but emptiness left. And in that emptiness can grow the desire to do truly horrible yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really feel that no matter what, you know, how much he attributed it to voices or religious mania mania religious orders whatever no matter how much i think it's just the humanity just dropped right out the bottom there's like like you said I, I i doubt it was anything supernatural but think about the horrors he inflicted on himself 
year after year after year without getting medical attention and he never gets an infection? Yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Think, think about that for a second. Because that to me is like, it's almost, and once again, I don't want to say supernatural, but it's almost like some power that wants humanity to suffer a little bit is keeping this guy alive as a tool. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, uh, I've said it before, there, there's almost something, there's something otherworldly, there's something, there's something strange about like the bloody benders, mm -hmm. where it's, they're not human anymore. You have you have turned in your human card, and with that, some of the weaknesses of being human kind of go with that. Mm -hmm. This is I'm sorry. I light my asshole on fire, and and I stuff pins in my taint. I'm getting an infection. That's uh, that's I, that's gonna be like. I'm just gonna pull that out of the episode and just like play that over and over again. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But I mean, it's. Think about a couple of weeks ago, I, I scraped myself on a rose bush and it sent me to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I, I had cellulitis. This guy's jamming them up as wiener <laughs> and then eating them. Ah, it's, yeah, it's really amazing he even lived to the, the age that he did. Yeah. So, but yeah, when you have this lack of humanity and you have the actions that happen after it, you have, after that, a sort of public hysteria Rightfully um, so. Rightfully so, but sometimes it takes lives and not rightfully mm -hmm. so. You've had the case of, you know, there's all this editorial bluster from the, the press. And so people are on the lookout and some of them are on way too high alert. There was a squatter named John Eskowski and a teenager found him and thought he looked like the gray man. So he runs up to a gas station and there's an uh, Salvatore Pache, the owner there, comes running out and brings his gun. Skowski sees him coming towards him and thinks he's a bandit, so he fires. They are firing at each other. There's no hits. Um, the cops come, and along with the cops, so do the villagers with their torches and pitchforks. Yay, Now we're villagers. in a shootout. Yeah, now we're in a shootout. Um, they shoot him in the side, um, and they do manage to you know, ask him a few questions. He, he says, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, just a farmer. I'm from Radnor, PA, Pennsylvania. I fought with my wife. I left home. I came up here and then shoots himself because he knows he's going to die. Wow. Yeah. So, so that was, that was fun. So yeah, the, the news kind of fades. And as far as I can tell, at least as far as events that got into the news. Now, remember, we did say there are all those ones that fall under the radar, that drop by the wayside, the the unknown and the forgotten of society. So there are many cases I'm sure that we don't know about. But it was 1927 that uh, one case we uh, we did know about, uh, and that was the case of Billy Gaffney. Mm, February 11th, 1927. Three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother are playing in the apartment hallway in Brooklyn with four-year-old Billy Gaffney. Um, both younger boys disappeared. Beaton's later found on the roof of the apartments. Whenever they ask him, what happened to Gaffney? Beaton says, the boogeyman took him. I know. 
I know. It's that's horrifying. Oh, now I mean, that gives me chills. And yeah, when I read that I was like, oh fuck. I do have to make one slight correction. He was found on the top floor. I guess there was like a ladder to a, a hatch. But the the one thing that really pinged the alarms, aside from the boogeyman mm. took him, was the fact that the hatch to the the roof, no child could lift that. It would have to be an adult. And he said, We were on the roof. You know, that's what, what Billy Beaton said. And, you know, we, we were looking at steamships and, and buildings and mm. stuff like that. And so we know that there was something happened on the roof. And, yeah, I do have after I have Billy, the boogeyman took him. And then in my notes, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like, because the cops, this is where the, the whole idea of why kidnap a poor child comes in. They totally ignore that. They, 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 they're very dismissive of the whole boogeyman idea. It's just a kid. What does he know? You know, all kids are, you know, have vivid imaginations and boogeymen and stuff like that. And so they assume that he just wandered off or, you know, got trapped in a locked building. There's a canal nearby. So they're like, maybe he got, you know, in there. And it's not that they're not looking for him. They are. I, I believe they even dragged the canal. There was 350 plus cops and tons of neighbors. And, you know, it was an absolute, you know, they they did mobilize and but uh, Inspector John J. Sullivan of the Missing Persons Bureau said, quote, there is no reason why anyone should want to take this child. The kidnapper would have to be deranged. End quote. Yeah. Yes. Think? Yes. Really? And here's how the- about we examine that particular avenue and look at deranged people or, you know, in the wording of the day. Yes. No, I think we can just go ahead. He's deranged. Yeah. He's got yeah. he's got the slivics. <laughs> Yeah, my uncle had the slivics. The poor man thought he was Napoleon Christ. Yeah, it's... And this, again, starts... Yes, you have search parties out, but you also have just people attacking anyone who is so much near a child. You know, grandfathers cannot go out with their grandchildren without fear of being beaten by angry moms. It's It's pretty brutal. It's almost like it is today. (laughs) I'd say it's actually okay. You can you can definitely do without the angry mobs today. I think a grandfather can take his grandchild to the store and you know not be looked upon. It all depends on how creepy the grandfather looks. Is he walking bow-legged? Then we might have a problem. Officer, there's a reason I punched that 87-year-old man in the face. He was walking bow-legged. <laughs> Obviously, this is a man with needles in his grundle. Oh, God. You just said that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So even one week in in March, one week, three different times, the mobs went after anyone who was spotted with with children. It's it's kind of bonkers. And there is false lead after false lead again. Well, actually, there was a gentleman named Peter Kudzanowski Mm -hmm. who was a suspect in the boys' murder. It turned out he's a serial killer anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to look him up a little bit. Yeah, I guess we might have to do that one. Yeah. So fun. It can't be any worse. There was even a time when uh, the poor Gaffneys were told, you know, hey, somebody brought this this lost child, this lost boy who's about the same age as, as your boy, to the, the police station. They come a-running. 
you have to imagine, oh my God, the hope they must have felt and just the, the plummeting, not even back down to earth, but back down into the pits of their personal hell Yeah. when it's discovered that that is not their boy. I mean, it's... And there's... This is not just New York City either. There are reports of, of, of you know, this boy being spotted in St. Louis, in Montana. He's all over the place, according to, you know, all the, all the tips flooding in. And... But there is one good clue that comes in. One good clue. Uh, A trolley car conductor named Anthony Barone says that on that same day of the abduction, around 7 p.m., or disappearance as they thought of it at that moment, he was on his trolley car and there was an old man with a mustache and a little boy in blue knickers, which is what Billy was wearing when he disappeared, the two got on the trolley only two blocks from the Gaffney's apartments. The boy was just inconsolably crying the whole entire time. And the old man went to the conductor and said, hey, you know, where can I get a ferry to Staten Island? The conductor tells him and he gets off the, the old man and the boy get, get off the train and they go in the other direction. So uh, those um, there's also a, a motorman named Joseph Meehan, and he he backed this story up. So it's not one person; it's two. So we have a little bit more confirmation now. These two men were actually given leave from their jobs, and they were given police payroll for like a, a little while to to help out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we don't go that far these days, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. We need to. I feel like we need to just for the just for the sake of like, like, where's where's like you know the murder she wrote like you're an author mm-hmm. you should be able to solve some crimes every now and then yeah but I'm real bad at writing mysteries yeah, which is you... ironic given you know this right here but I'm really really bad at writing mysteries that's why you need to be in police uh, police handwork you know because that way you're getting research on how to write the mysteries well, yeah I'm getting a benefit but what benefit is society getting <laughs> I'm saying that you're giving a different outlook <laughs> I'm saying to make a good TV show. <laughs> okay, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Well, you know, entertainment... The author who and... can't write mysteries <laughs> solves the crimes. Oh, this this feels like the, the, the author version of the bumbling cop, and I like it, I can get on board. I can be bumbling. I actually, it's kind of very right in my nature. It's who I am, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I think yeah. the two of us together, we could write this novel. I'll do the mystery part of it, and yeah. you write the story around it. There we go. Yeah. And we'll be sure to put Albert Fish's confession in there. <laughs> oh, God, I have to read this. Well, so. not yet. We've <sighs> still got a ways to go. I think the confession can come after the... Uh... Oh, thank Christ. Yeah, you've got a little, you've got a little while. I actually well, kind of skimmed it because I could not handle it. I'm going to just go ahead and admit that right now. So, yeah, there's... there's... There's a line from it that, like, he's using so many, like, cutesy words for genitalia... Oh, God. Oh, ...that God. I'm not even... His monkey? I'm not a fan of monkeys anymore. I'm just not. His little monkey was as sweet as nut, but his peewees... We said we'll get there. I know, but what's a monkey and what's a peewees? I think you know what they are. I don't! I think you know what they are. So, anyhow... Um, in one case, in another case of wasted time, uh. this uh, this inventor came along to the Gaffneys, uh, these poor parents of this missing child who don't know where their child is, and he says, I have an invention! No, it's not a dog-powered butter churner! No, no, then it's we don't need it! It's a mechanical bloodhound! No. It's a divining rod, and then it... 
one end there's a rubber tube and you put uh, a strand of Billy's hair in there and he uses that to guide him to a factory where they spend hours searching and find nothing. As we knew, because we knew this was bullshit the second we heard it, didn't we? Yeah. But to grieving, worried, horrified parents, you know, this it's is... It's hope. I mean, it's hope. Yeah, it's hope. They had a seance slash uh, hypnotism of Mrs. Gaffney's cousin uh, that led them to a canal. And this was this was something. This guy that was being hypnotized, uh, look further, uh, the, the hypnotist said... And then the, the, the cousin is cursing. I see a man. He is leading Billy by the hand. That's... But then it goes astray from the actual account of, uh, you know, what, what actually happens. And they also, in the, in the hypnotism, he said, oh, he's gone into the canal. And they search the canal and they find nothing. So, mm. And, yeah, I mean, Mrs. Gaffney is so ill from sleeplessness. And, I mean, she's got insomnia. She can't sleep. She's crying constantly. She got, actually, a tear gland infection from crying and not sleeping. It's it's horrifying. So, and even more horrifying in a, in a, not in a sick way, but in a, oh, my God, my heart just cracked in two way. Yeah. She continued to always set a place for Billy at the table for every holiday. Oh, fuck. And you see what I mean there? This poor woman cried so much, her tear gland got infected. Mm-hmm. There's Albert Fish spanking himself with a nail-studded paddle, and nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, it, it almost is sort of. I'm I'm not on board with the supernatural explanation, but that is definitely strange, right? You would think. I'm, I'm sure he's not getting regular tennis shots, right? And I mean, it's like he's not hygienic. In any sort of way, this is a man who keeps a shit-covered hot dog <laughs> in his, his nightstand. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe he had infections and he just survived them or something. I don't know. You would think. Maybe he did go to the doctors and they just, like, you know, like... Uh, doctor, doctors weren't so great back in that day. Infections weren't very well, well understood either. I mean, he probably did get infections, just didn't die from them. He was he was uncomfortable. He had a hard time like sitting down and stuff. Wouldn't it have been great to be a doctor back in then. You've got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine. <laughs> You've got hysteria. Here, have this dildo. <laughs> My hands getting hard, hard, carpal tunnel syndrome from rubbing the clit all the day long. <laughs> oh, the perils of being a doctor. So, so yeah, this story does fade, as all new stories do. Other stories take its place. It's really interesting in this book. It is interspersed, especially any time, like, time passes. It will give you an accounting of all the events that were newsworthy in that time. And sort of, it does take you to that place. I'm not going to go into them because we have so much more horrifying shit. Why would we do fun stuff? Um, but I feel like we need to right now. Okay, sure. How about uh, we can even do a slight kind of local connection? Okay. So I'd, I'm not sure if this was in the intervening years between uh, the Gaffney case and the uh, and the Bud case. We need a palate cleanser. We do need a palate cleanser. Yeah. Super palate cleanser. So this was... This is a couple pages. All right, so this is in 1928, so this would be actually after the Bud case. But we're going to go ahead and say it now. Okay. So, yeah, there was some 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 bad shit going on, you know. Uh, but in sports, Johnny Weissmuller 
Yes. Would my one day dad become... was friends with Johnny Weissmuller. Are you serious? He would come up and go hunting on my dad's land. That is so cool. Yeah. Yes, he uh, was a Winber man. Winber mm-hmm. is very close to here, and I have lived there. And, uh, yeah, he w- got the gold medal that year on the uh, in the men's 100-meter freestyle in Amsterdam at the 8th International Games. I guess, well, old are the Olympics? Were they Olympicking then or not? Uh, yes, I just made Olympic a verb. I'm allowed to. I think the Olympics started up in 1910. Okay, maybe we, this was just a different kind of, uh, kind of game. Hold on here. We've got the... Uh... We've got the world's knowledge right at our fingertips. First Oli- first modern Olympics. If I go first Olympics, here's a little fun fact. Uh, that is whenever prehistory ends and history begins is the first Olympics. Because the first Olympics oh, yeah. in Greece, that's the beginning of recorded history. So April 6th, 1896 is the first modern Olympics in Athens, Greece. Okay, so unless they were just calling the Olympics something else, this was the 8th International Games, so it must have been another type of game. But still, Johnny Weissmuller, mm-hmm. friend of your father's. Yes. Um, you had uh, some boxers, Gene Tunney and Tom Heaney, in a heavyweight title bout, uh, and this was held at Yankee Stadium. And Gene Tunney managed to keep his championship in this in this match and quit two days later to go study philosophy at the Sorbonne. That's nice. <laughs> yes, isn't that lovely? That's nice. Isn't that nice? I'm happy for him. Yeah. The man chasing his dreams. There was a man uh, named Gene A. Lucier. Or Lussier. He was from Massachusetts, so they probably didn't pronounce it Frenchly. I like Jean et Lussier. I do like it too. Or Jean, Jean et Lussier. Oh, that you'll call. He went over Horseshoe Falls in a giant rubber ball (laughs) on July 4th. Fun. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I hope he bounced like on a rock at the bottom. (laughs) Hey, wee! Wee! (laughs) Boing! 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 Oh. oh, isn't this fun? Yeah, this is just, it's nice. Are we going to get back to the child molestation and murder soon? Yeah, I think we are, Oh, God damn it. I think also this is going to be a two-parter, so we're going to be doing more child molestation oh. and murder next week. You know, just as long as we get that week's rest in between. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, this basically, um, everything fades, and 1928 rolls around. It's May. The end of May, you have the Bud family. Uh, there's seven of them. They live in the Chelsea district. Not again, not a lot of money. And Edward Bud is 18 years old, and he wants to work out in the country. He doesn't want to be in the city at the moment. He wants that, you know, that that good strapping young men farm job. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the New York World and he puts in an ad asking for a quote position in country and includes. How else are you going to get a hold of people? I guess they probably didn't have a phone, I assume. Includes his address, which... 406 West 15th Street. Fuck. So, the very next day, uh, it's a Monday, and an elderly man comes named Frank Howard, and he says, you know, I'm a father of six. I... Here's a little hint. Frank Howard isn't his real name. Yeah, I have it in quotes. Frank <laughs> Howard. Frank Howard. 
So he comes and he gives them his little life story. He's like, you know, I lived in Washington, D.C. I was an interior decorator there. But then when I, you know, my, I started approaching going blind, I couldn't do my job anymore. So I moved to Farmingdale, Long Island, uh, which and started, guess what? A farm in Farmingdale, Long Island. Who'd have thought it? Appropriate. Appropriate. And he's like, but, you know, my wife, she wasn't really into it. So she bolted and now it's just me on the farm. But so I need, you know, farm hands. So he offers Eddie, Edward, a farm hand job. I don't know why. Like, it's Edward from the get-go. But for some reason, I kept on calling him Eddie throughout my notes. So. He seems like somebody would be. He Ed- seems like an Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Edward, Edward for business. Eddie formal, informally. Yes. 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 So, and he even, Eddie's got his friend Willie Corman there when he gets the, the job. And he's like, hey, my, my friend Willie, you know, would you give him a job too? And, you know, Frank Howard, he, he seems a little reluctant, but he, I think he kind of felt like he had to almost. Mm-hmm. So he says, yeah, and he says, I'll, I'll pick you up this Saturday. So that's what's supposed to happen. And he ended up actually coming a day late. He sent a telegraph saying, you know, I'm not going to be there today, other business, blah, blah, blah. But he comes a day late. On his way, he stops and gets some strawberries he stops and gets a pot of cheese. I don't know how what the presentation is with this cheese, but You've never had strawberries and cheese. I mean, I've had strawberries and cheese, but I don't understand like the presentation. Like, why is it a pot of cheese? Like, is it? Did they actually give you like a saucepan? I'm thinking. Or like, I'm is it like something like with a little handle? Dipping cheese. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sure. So he stops and gets those, and he has a bundle he's carrying with him, and he asks uh, Newsy if he can leave it at his stand. You know, and I'll come back for it in an hour or so. And so he leaves this bundle there. So he goes to the Bud's house. And they all have lunch together while the kids are outside. And then um, little Grace comes mm. in. I don't know why. This one, I think it's because we have so many more details about about Grace. This one tears my heart up worse than any of the others. That's right. You just heard a little bit of booze there. <laughs> yes, because that's the only way I'm getting through this. I'm just pouring more into the glass to get me through. I don't think we're going to get through this all tonight because honestly... There's no way. I, this is psychologically taxing. It is very, I, yeah. It's, it's not even a matter of material, although it is because my pages are numbered front to back just for the, for the listeners to know. My, my handwritten notes that I took from the book are numbered front to back. So I have a total of... like It goes to 23... But so that's about, you know, mm-hmm. 11 and a half pages. But I'm on seven. <laughs> yeah. And so. this, I haven't felt this drained by an episode since the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. And that was, we were little podcasting babies. Yeah. If that drained us. This is, you know, we've got a couple of atrocities under our belt. Not that we've done, <laughs> just that we've covered Sometimes I should clarify. Yeah. And yeah, this is like, oh this my is... God, we have to like, I just feel like I'm at the bottom of a mountain and I look down and I'm like, but I've already climbed this high. You mean I have to keep going? I can't breathe at this oxygen level. We're going to make camp pretty soon. <laughs> yes, we are going to make camp. We're going to settle in. We're going to have some fucking s'mores. And... We're going to, and we're going to like, like find our way to the top using the bodies of other other climbers that perished before us, <laughs> those, like Everest. Those are the other podcasters who've had to suffer through this too, and, and the author of this book, who God only knows. Jesus Christ! I know, right? Yeah. So, like, how dead do you think he is inside? Oh my gosh! And he's done other books too. Yeah, like he's, he's preeminent. Yeah. So, 
So, okay, so Frank Howard, we'll continue calling him this until it's, you know, the mask is lifted off Scooby-Doo style. Um, just because that's what they knew him as. You have an association with the name. Just think about this. You have an association with the name Albert Fish. Even if it's just you've heard of him vaguely in relation to needles. You have an association. And you have an association just from listening to us talk about him for the past hour or so. So, but think about these parents and put yourself in their shoes. They don't have a whole lot of money. They have uh, five children. Eddie's getting this great deal to go off and work on the farm for the mm -hmm. summer. He's going to make good money. He's going to get lots of exercise and be out in the fresh air, out of the city. And you have this man who he basically, Grace comes in and he pulls her over onto his lap and he manages to both groom her through like, you know, touching and, and offering her things. And he basically takes a bunch of cash out. And he says, here, play with this. Why don't we try, count? let's play a counting game. And it's more money that the family has ever seen in one spot in their lives. It's $92, which in today's money is 1308 So you just, I mean, nobody walks around with over $1,000. Nobody that we know walks around. I'm sure somebody does. But we don't, we don't know anybody. You know, I got 70 bucks in my wallet. And I normally have, don't even really have any cash, but I'm carrying right now, or somewhere in the neighborhood of $150 in cash and checks, and I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. It's like yeah. I'm sitting here going, I need to get to the fucking bank before I go home to put this in. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's, that's a lot of cash. Where the hell did he get it? Um, so basically, oh, I have a theory about where he. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Do tell. He's, I mean, he's beaten the hell out of a lot of people. But a lot of disadvantaged people with not very much money, so it's not like he's getting money from them. It's, it goes right back to the whole, why kidnap somebody with no money? He's not beating the hell out of rich people. How do I put this in a, in a genteel way? <laughs> you you said can't. Taint and Grundle so many times yes. in this episode, I lost count. It's just, I hesitate to say this because it's a huge theory and it's a big fucking leap of faith and I have really no proof of this, but filth attracts filth. And maybe this guy is the, uh, what is the name of the guy that just committed suicide? Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Maybe maybe Fish is the Epstein of his day. I mean, but maybe I don't know. There's, there's I mean, I don't think he got it by just random painting jobs. Um, he did get some money from his his one son. His son would send part of his paychecks, but that was only like, you know, twenty five dollars a month or something yeah. like that. So yeah, I just it doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, anyhow, he's flashing his money around, and he says, "Oh, you know what." I just remembered, you know, I have to go to a, a, a birthday party. My, my, my sister's having a birthday party for her kid. So I can't take you today, Eddie. I'll come back tomorrow. But hey, Grace, why don't you, do you, you want to go to a party? Oh. <sighs> and so the parents are, they are a little leery. But they're in a, a really bad position where they can't really consult with each other. They're going to have a hard time saying no to somebody who's offering them a job. And if he says, why not, then what are they going to say? Well, we don't trust you. Mm -hmm. Well, no, you're, you, oh, so we'll trust you to send our 18-year-old our off with. And this isn't, you know, 
This is a different time when they don't even think about the horrible things that people can do to a child when their child is kidnapped. It's just ransom, ransom, ransom. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, are basically like, well, you know, at least tell us the address. So he just fires off an address. Doesn't even exist. Doesn't exist. The it, street doesn't even go that yeah. far. And he says, I'll, I'll have her back by nine. And he's just, he's too good at this. He's too good at the, 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 the switching plans suddenly from, from Eddie. Because he, Eddie was his target, obviously. Oh, yeah. he, was yeah. going, he was going to tie up Eddie, mutilate him, leave, castrate him, leave him to bleed out. Mm-hmm. That was his big plan. He had plan. a specific plan. But he switched gears when he saw Grace. And he does it fairly quickly. And he does, you know, the fact that he came up with a non-existent address... You know, you, he knows how far that street goes, and he says, okay, the address is going to be, like, mm-hmm. you know, five blocks later. And he, he he knows that these are people who don't really go too far outside of their, like, little bubble. Um, so, yeah. And there's a description of Grace's outfit that just absolutely, it just, I, I don't even have a heart anymore because it's just shattered. It's, it's just, oh my God. She sounded like such... Oh Did you was, have you, have you seen pictures of Grace, bud? I haven't yet. I can't, I don't think I can. Don't, she, don't. Are you doing I'm this to me? You're doing, doing this to it me? to myself. Oh. Just because I need to humanize this. Well, this is what I'm going to do to our listeners. Um, they put her in her, she was already wearing her church dress because it was a Sunday. So they got her spring coat. That's her, you know, your dressy coat when you're a kid. You have your, your dress up outfit. For, for special occasions, they put her in that. Um, it has the collar and cuff are fur trimmed, probably faux fur, I'm assuming. Uh, they put uh, on the lapel, there's a, a pink rose pinned to it. She wears a gray hat. It has blue streamers coming down the back. So you can just imagine that very like Easter sort of feeling. She has a little, um, little brown purse, which is adorable. And it's just absolutely, it's painful. All yeah. right, do this to me. Show me the no, picture. Well, here's the thing. There's even, they even, uh, there is Grace Bud, just an adorable little girl. God. And they even have her missing, a, a very well-rendered missing poster. Oh, yeah, they sent this out around, yeah. around everywhere. But I do feel like maybe we should leave it there. Yes. Yes, I, I think so. Because... This, uh, honest to God, this is taking a toll. And it's going to get worse, too. Yeah, it's going to get a lot worse. So (laughs) So listen to us next week. Yes. God, we're really good at podcasting. Well, here's here's (laughs) the thing. I think think that this type, and I hesitate to use the word entertainment, but in a weird sense it is. Mm -hmm. But this type of entertainment is important Mm -hmm. because... This, if you don't know this stuff, it's going to happen again. Yes. And again and again. You have to be able to watch out for these people like Albert Fish who flash money at you and try to sort of ease you into this idea that you're trust they're trustworthy. Does that mean that nobody is trustworthy? No. But I am absolutely sure that... Mr. and Mrs. Bud had a gut feeling. Yeah. And they just weren't able to listen to it because there was too much going on. It was it was too, you know, tempting to have this this sense of security for one of their children. And they also this also was a time period when this didn't really happen. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, it it, it does it, it's very much 
something that we all need to be aware of and you know, just situational awareness and listening to your damn gut. It can be so hard sometimes because society pushes us. And definitely by us, I largely mean women <laughs> and children. Once you get to a certain mm-hmm. point, you know, um, as, a, as a child, people are always kind of like d- dismissing you. You know, you know, mommy, they're not, that man's scary. Oh, honey, it's fine. We don't listen to the children's voices. And I kind of feel like... Grace probably had some gut feelings there too. Yeah. But was too polite to say anything. And yeah, it just it, it just comes down to listen to your gut and stop being so fucking polite. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we are kind of it, it's it's I don't we're, it's not ingrained, it's socialized. Yeah, yeah. we're socialized. Don't hurt his feelings. Yes, yes. So so yeah, it's it's that, and it's just be savvy. You know, yeah. it's hard to be savvy. I say this as a very gullible person. This is now two of my podcasts that I have announced that I'm a gullible person. So next April Fool's Day should be fun. Um, but I'm, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I hate April Fool's Day. <laughs> Thank you. I was conceived so I... on April Fool's Day. <laughs> The ultimate prank from the universe. That's hilarious. I'm no, so sorry. That's okay. That's terrible. I don't. I was born four days after, so I don't know the story, but I do. Well, who wants to I've know? Done. I've done the math. Ah. And I said, wait a minute. Like she goes, well, you were exactly one month late. I was a ten month baby, mm-hmm. and my birthday is February first. I was supposed to be a New Year's baby, ah. and then I counted backwards nine from there. And went, wait a minute. That means, and I. Is there a story here? And my mom, instead of going, no. She went, no. Which means, (laughs) yes. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a very gullible person, but I'm slowly learning to listen to my gut when it tells me something. And maybe I'll never know. You know, maybe if, if I listen to my gut and it points me away from a dangerous situation, I'll never know because I didn't get into that situation. But that's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And I'm also listening to... I don't, I guess it could just be like common sense or something, but I'm starting to listen more to the little voice in my head that, that says that something is going to happen just based on, you know, logic. Like I was driving up home from school today and I'm driving up the hill and I see some, uh, some guys that look like they're from the power company on the side of the road. They've got like one of those trucks with the like big bowls of cables and they're hanging on the side of the road as I'm driving home. And I'm like, yeah, my power is going to go out. <laughs> <laughs> I was home not 10 minutes. <laughs> power goes out. I just basically was like, yep, yep, knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I love it when the power goes out. I don't because it happens too often here. It happens the day we moved in, Scott, the day we moved in. Motherfucker. Literally, there was a storm. We get here, and actually, as we were driving from our old house to here with, you know, the caravan of people and everything, and we start seeing people out on their porches, and, you know, like, lights are off and everything, and when, once you see people come out of their house, you know that the entertainment, the, the constant mm-hmm. stream of Netflix is no longer available, so... People rubbing their eyes and going, what are those <laughs> tiny specks of light in the sky? Yes. What? I don't understand. <laughs> oh my God, we're in a jar and somebody's poked holes in the lid so we can breathe. Exactly. So yeah, you start. I, I started to recognize those signs. And I was like, oh shit. And we get here 
And it's, it was our second load, so at least we weren't like bringing the couches and everything. But yeah, it was it was dark, and we we tried waiting it out a little bit, and it just got to the point where it was, it was also raining. We just got to the point where it was like, fuck it, we got to go. But guess what? You don't like keep track of when you're packing flashlights. This is true. Because you're not like, oh, I'll definitely need these. You're just like, okay, these are just going to these boxes. We actually had, they were at the old house. We actually had to go back to the old house to get the damn flashlight. See, I feel like, I feel like the, uh, in the modern age, the flashlight is in the cell phone anymore. Yeah, yeah. But also keep in mind, um, this was, uh, this was 2013. So we did have cell phones, but it really, they, the, the light wasn't powerful enough in a big, almost vacant room, mm-hmm. that like gets swallowed up pretty quickly in, in the in the dark and the gloom. And I'm rhyming now. Oh, <laughs> it's a great poem. Well, <laughs> that light gets swallowed up quickly join, in the dark and the gloom. <laughs> join us next week for more. Just rhyming. Horrible. Lots of rhyming. Yeah, nothing tons horrible. Of rhyming. No horrible, awful shit. Everything we horrible. Promise you. And Every, that's my that's lying a voice. Lie. That's my lying voice. God, this man was horrible. Oh. Okay. So yes. Uh, rate us five stars on <laughs> iTunes. Uh, give us a review, please. You can say anything you want. Uh, you can. Just say who you're, what, tell us what you want from our next, you know, next episode after we get out of this hellhole. I'll tell you what. Scott, I should say Scott, dragged us into. This was his idea. Albert Fish wasn't even actually on the list. (laughs) 200 on the list and Albert Fish isn't there. I'll tell you what. I'm holding up some fingers. (laughs) And I want you to rate this five stars and in the review tell me how many fingers I'm holding up. And if I'm wrong, you're not going to touch me. <laughs> Actually, that's a good game. That's a good that's game. That's a good game. The Just game a... where nobody gets touched. Exactly. The game where no one gets touched and no one has to guess how many needles are in my taint. And then you can also play the game of follow us on Twitter Yay. and Facebook. And you can get extra content and uh, any news we pick up from the old-timey, true-crimey world. And you can also look at our Amazon wish list which is just super populated with true crime books that all have a title, a colon, and then a subtitle. I noticed that trend in true crime books. It's very popular. It's in the one that I read this, this week. It's title, colon, subtitle. Albert Fish, colon, and then wad of lighter fluid soaked wool. <laughs> no, it's... In the colon. Albert Fish, colon, are you sure you want to go here? You really don't. <laughs> All right. Don't forget our subreddits. Yes, yes, our subreddit. Yes, the old timey crimey subreddit, uh, which I update every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I need to put it like a little post-it I, note I, on a list. I keep forgetting that we have a subreddit too. Yeah, yeah. And I made the damn thing. Yes, you did. <laughs> We're both moderators. Absolutely. But for the love of God, just don't stuff lit fire up your ass and stay savvy stay savvy watch out for those sick fucks damn straight all right see you next week cheers cheers